In this episode of Upward Calling, we talk about giving glory to God. Welcome to Upward Calling. We help Christians develop a relationship with God by talking with University Church of Christ evangelist Josh Creel and Dr. Kenny Embry. Listen as we take a deeper dive on a lesson from recent Sunday service and help you apply it Monday through Saturday. How you doing, Josh? Kenny, I'm doing well. I hope you're doing well today as well. But man, that well, was a lot so of wells. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. I for this past sermon, you talked about this being the year of giving God the glory. What does it mean to give God glory? I mean, does it mean just that we compliment God all the time or in some way find nice words to say to him? Yeah, that's that's really a question. I think sometimes when we th- we think of giving God glory, we just think, okay, well, we need to sing songs of praise. We right. need to say good things about God. And that's that's a part of it. But in the biblical sense, and in where we were looking at in our lesson uh, on Sunday from Exodus 14, the idea of God getting glory is actually God getting his due. Or in other words, God taking his place and it being recognized of where God is. So, for instance, the psalmist will say the heavens declare the glory of God. You know, nature, creation because of what it is and how it exists, declares that God is powerful, that God is you know, a maker of beauty, that God is good. And we as humans, to give God the glory, also must acknowledge and recognize where God fits in relationship to us uh, as our creator, our redeemer, uh, the one who sustains us, and all those things. So it's it's really just giving God his due, recognizing who he is. Right. But why is that important? Why, why does God need it? <laughs> I think it I think it is for us. I think it is a perspective for us that, you know, again, going to, to the Exodus account, why is it so important that God is glorified over Pharaoh and Pharaoh's chariots and Pharaoh's army? Well, mm-hmm. Israel is being called to follow God, to uh, be holy like God, to devote themselves to the ways of God. Why mm-hmm. should they do that? Well, here is God. He is glorified above your oppressor. He is glorified above what was the most powerful fighting force on earth. This God fights for you. This God has redeemed you. This God wants you to follow him. Here is his glory. You need to recognize that. And we, you know, we are thinking of, you know, again, going back to Ephesians 1, it talks about to the praise of his glorious grace in Ephesians chapter 1. Mm-hmm. Well, God's grace is glorious. What God has done for us in Christ is glorious. Our lives are shaped by the fact that God is glorious and that glory is seen in the redemption that's occurred in his son and the blessings that now come upon us in Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In your part of your lesson, you talked about uh, God hardening Pharaoh's heart. And I think this is one of the places where, where I think we agree on this. How was Pharaoh's heart kind of already hardened before before uh, Moses even came to him? Yeah, this is a, I think one that we would do well to consider from our perspective too. Okay, yeah. So 
Pharaoh had been told and had been uh, acknowledged ever since he was born as a god. Yeah. You know, he was his father was Pharaoh. His father was God. So Pharaoh was God, and right. now he has ascended to the throne. And here is this: uh, really, what if if Pharaoh was told who Moses was? Here's a criminal who's come back to Egypt, who had once fled from Egypt, and he's coming back to Egypt, and he's saying, "The Lord Jehovah God says, let the Israelites, my people, let them go into the wilderness." Well. Mm-hmm. Pharaoh's heart is hardened because of his preconceived notions about himself. Likewise, okay, so in the auditorium uh, Bible study right now, we've been going through Acts. Well, Israel's heart was hardened. And why was Israel's heart hardened? Because of the preconceived notions they had about themselves. We are the people of God. We don't need a new gospel. We have the law. We have (laughs) circumcision. We have everything we need. Right. Okay. Okay. What is it that would harden our hearts today? Well, again, the lies we tell ourselves. We may tell ourselves, I'm worthless. I'm, I'm irredeemable. Yeah. That will harden your heart to the grace that God is providing. On the other end of the spectrum, we may tell ourselves, I'm a pretty good guy. Everybody likes me. Uh, my family likes me. My dog likes me. You know, everybody <laughs> likes me. So why would I need to change and, and to repent? and follow after Jesus, we could harden our hearts because of the lies we've accepted about ourselves. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And and kind of going back to what you were saying about, well, specifically about Pharaoh, but we have exactly the same problems, which is we believe that we've already reached conclusions about, and it makes sense to us because we don't follow stories that don't make sense to us. We follow stories that do make sense to us. But that does not mean that it jives with what is reality. And again, you were talking about the Jews. The Jews felt like they had a, a handle on who God was and who they were to God, that they were God's special people, and they were. But they didn't re- realize what made them special, and it wasn't necessarily their heritage. It was the God that was behind them. You see what I'm saying there? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, okay. As you said, God certainly deserves His de- deserves glory, but... What does it mean that we are God's glory, which is something you also you also talked about? Is it who we are or is it what we do? Well, it is about us, but it's only about us because of what God has done in us. Right. Okay, so the passage we looked at on on Sunday, and it says this two times in Ephesians chapter one. It says it in verse 12, and it says it in verse 14 where it says in verse 12, we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. And then in verse 14, when it talks about we were sealed with the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Mm -hmm. What Paul is saying is, when we have this long section, which really in in the Greek is one sentence, not even a paragraph, it's a sentence (laughs) of blessed be God who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And he goes on to enumerate those blessings. We're adopted. We have the inheritance. We're sealed with the spirit, redeemed by the blood of Christ, all these things. And what God has made of us, what he has done to us, for us, through us, 
that is to the praise of his glory. That when the world sees the church, when he sees redeemed men and women from all backgrounds who are redeemed from all walks of life, regardless of what our sinful activity was, regardless of how far away we were. And now here is a unified body devoted to him, pure in Christ, the bride of Christ, that gives God glory. Mm-hmm. So while it is about us, it's not because of what we have done. Now, that does not mean that we don't have a role in that. So chapter three ends with this. He says in chapter three and in verse 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And he goes on then in chapter four to urge the saints in Ephesus to walk in a certain way. In chapter five, he'll urge them to walk in love as God in Christ, our love to walk in wisdom. Okay. So we, the church exist to God's glory, but Mm -hmm. our behavior and how we are following Christ and walking in Christ is also to be to the glory of God. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> again, I'm going to bring this back to the family metaphor. I mean, the fact of the matter is you have a family. That is something that is a glory to you. Your your, your wife is a glory to you. Does that mean that your family is perfectly behaved? Does that mean your wife is perfectly behaved? No, it it doesn't mean any of that. Uh, and uh, can they? Can your family and your wife basically misbehave and bring shame to your family? Yes, but it, it, your family is still a glory to you. Do you see what I'm right. saying? Do you see the, the, the parallel there? I do. Um, Go ahead. No, I, so you're right. You know, I'm trying to think. So let's sure. let's look. It's a little easier, I guess, when we think about the the kids. Okay, so yeah, yeah. Uh, and I really, by the way, I really appreciated um, uh, how when you interviewed Keith, Keith really talked about this. The idea that you know you love instantly your kids, but you you know it's are your kids going to grow and love you? And you know he he kind of used that as far as God's love for us and our love for God. Okay, right. So when. You know, when Jen and I, when our, our boys were, you know, even younger than they are now, you know, everybody could look and say, okay, wow, what a great family. You know, what beautiful kid. Well, <laughs> kind of, right, right. Um, you know, everybody, everybody says that about the kids though. All right. So to that sense, so here are healthy boys, good boys. All right. So in that sense, yes, they, they reflect on us as their parents, but when they become more independent and when now they are going out and, and living their lives and, you know, following in some ways their own paths, their behavior can reflect very positively on us and on the, the values that we tried to instill in them. Yeah. Or if they reject that, it could have, you know, a, a different effect on us. It would cast us in a different light. So in that sense, you know, it's, it's, it's the same with God. So he has redeemed us in Christ. We exist to his glory for that reason. 
But if I am wearing the name of Christian or of Christ and I go out and live in ways that are contrary to the will of Christ, I'm actually bringing shame on his name. I'm not bringing glory to his name. Right, right. I I, I think, again, going back to the the state of, not the state of, but the the children of Israel, that Israel was never basically um, always obedient. As a matter of fact, they were almost always disobedient, and they, they found ways to disobey. Uh, was Israel still the promised children of God? They were, because it was God keeping his promise, mm-hmm. even when they weren't keeping their promise. Right. You see what I'm saying there? Oh, absolutely. And Paul makes that point in Romans, you know, uh, God's promise has not failed. Now, of right. course, you know, in the scheme of redemption, uh the point was they were the promised children to bring the Messiah into the world. Right. What they had failed to recognize is now that the Messiah has come, are we going to continue to be the people of God by putting faith in Christ? But that's a, that's, that's another discussion. That's another discussion. You also talked about this, is, is that th- there's something that we can get ourselves in trouble with. How do we undermine our intention to glorify God by putting down others? I mean, let's face it. I mean, the whole thing about Elijah at the, you know, with, with the, with the, um, or, or even with Pharaoh and, and, in in Egypt was that God was putting down the other gods. He was yeah. talking about how they were just trash and he was the only true God. So how can we, how, how do we basically undermine glorifying God by putting down others? So the, for those who may not have listened to the sermon yet, where Kenny's question is coming from is where I was talking about some application and talking about specifically yeah. what we deem as curse words or bad words. Okay. Yeah. 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 And the words that come out of our mouth. Okay. So if we use the Lord's name in vain, all we have to go back to is the, the 10, I mean the 10 commandments and Exodus 20 and verse seven, where we are, you know, Israel was told, do not take the Lord's name in vain. And that that is connected to glory. God's name reveals his character and his glory. So it was not to be used flippantly or in vain. Well, every culture decides what are curse words, what are bad words, what are words that are not fit for certain company. Mm-hmm. Well, why is it when we don't have a listing in scripture of things to say or not to say, and of course, if we did, those words would have to change every year. (laughs) Why is it that I tell my kids, as I was told by my parents, don't say that. And it does get back to glory because man is made, all of men are made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. And that's where James 3 and verse 9 comes in, where James is talking about the tongue and how hard it is to tame the tongue. And he remarks how ludicrous it is that with the same mouth, we both praise God, but then we also say all manners, manner of evil against man who is made in the image of God. Right. So if I am constantly deriding man, man's made in God's image. Right. Now, I can point out bad behavior. I can say that's wrong because that's against the will of God. But to curse man, that reflects on God because God made man. I know it could be a fine distinction, but 
that's where I, you know, I think the Lord wants us to, to have our mind. And it goes back to so many other, you know, commandments, love your enemies, pray for your enemies, uh, all those kinds of things, because God is very concerned with how we view each other. Yeah. And, and really you brought up the, the passage that I was thinking about immediately, which was that idea of loving your enemies. There's not a, we're never given permission to hate people. We're just not given that permission. Uh, and I, I worry when we proffer up hate so quickly, when, when that's the that's where we go immediately. And we live in a culture where that is often divided by politics and divided by a lot of ideas. And and it's often difficult for, especially this age, and I don't know why, um, this age to separate the idea from the person. And and that that, that you can that, that that there's it's important to love even people, especially people who who hate you, but also people who just disagree with you. I, I I've been watching some some really contentious debates recently online, and I've stayed out of it because I don't think I would help anything. But but by the same token, I'm just sitting here thinking, if you guys actually loved each other, how would how would this change? I mean, it, you might still end up on opposite ends of the spectrum. You might still have difference, a difference of ideas. But you guys are going after each other in a very dangerous way. And, and, and it's just not exemplifying love anymore. And that's, that's, a, that's a sad place to be and it's a dangerous place to be. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? I do. I do. Okay. Today, you were, for this lesson, you were talking about the year of giving God the glory. And basically, you talked about giving God glory. What are the practical things that we ought to be changing this week because we are trying to intentionally give God glory? So, you know, this is, in some ways, this is the the lesson you have to have before you get into the 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 detailed practical application. Because this this is the lesson about mindset. You know, again, we we looked at. Pharaoh, who did not glorify God and suffered the consequences. We looked at Israel, who was God's people, had God's glory dwelling among them, and yet their hearts were hardened as well. Right. And now here we are. We are God's people. We are. We exist to the praise of his glory, and we are called to give him glory. That starts with mindset recognizing who God is in comparison to us and the honor and the glory that he deserves. Right. Now, you know, as far as practical application uh, and a challenge that I, I gave to the congregation as I've, I've tried to been emphasizing reading through Ephesians this year, read through Ephesians. And when you get to chapter four and you get to what really is the, the part of the letter that talks about the, here are the things to do and here are the things that don't tie it back to glory. Yeah. When you wonder why is God concerned with sexual immorality? It goes back to the glory of God. Why is God concerned that filthiness should not come out of my mouth? It goes back to the glory of God. Why is God concerned that I as a husband love my wife as my own body? It goes back to the glory of God and what he deserves. So practically speaking, what I would say is if there is a a command you are aware of, whether it be a positive or a negative command, in other words, you know there is something that God wants you to do, or you know there is something you've been doing that God says don't do, and you're struggling with why, 
why should I do or not do this? Take it back to a question of glory. This is the God who adopted you, redeemed you, sealed you with the Spirit, and has guaranteed you an inheritance. He is glorious, and you exist to the praise of that glory. Mm-hmm. So live in a way that glorifies God. You know, this is not Ephesians, this is Galatians, but but I I, I think about the fruit of the Spirit, which is basically— and, and Granted, fruit of the spirit, in my opinion, is the result of that, that you that you are a, a disciple of God, that, that you have love, joy, peace, patience, all of those things because you are a disciple of God. And I, I think if you're going to try and give God the glory, some of the things that need to change is maybe those actions. Maybe you need to be more kind to other people. Maybe you need to, need to be more gentle with some. Maybe you need to learn how to control yourself a little bit better. And I, I think of all of those things, I think a Christian, yes, those are the products of being a good disciple of God. But if you don't have that fruit, maybe you ought to artificially start trying to exercise some of the things that you ought to end up with. Do you see what I'm saying there? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. okay. So what are you going to be talking about next time, Josh? Well, as was announced on Sunday, we are um, looking at appointing some some more deacons uh, to mm-hmm. help in the work. So we will uh, talk about that and talk about the the role that deacons have within the the congregation uh, to help prepare us uh, for making that selection. All right. Well, I look forward to talking about that then. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to get to know us more, you're welcome to watch a live stream service or join us in person at the University Church of Christ in Tampa, Florida. The sermon we referenced in this episode is in the show notes. We have all of our information at universitychurchofchrist.org. Until next time, God bless you in your walk with God.